to the Theology Doesn't Suck podcast. My name is Andy, and with me is Josh Patterson. Yeah. Hi, Josh. Hey, what's up, Andy? I'm good. How are you? Good. You ready? Are you ready for this? Yeah, I think so. I I studied all night. Stayed up late. Yeah, you stayed up late. Wow. Yeah, this episode is going to be intense, I think. I... I'm still processing through a lot of this stuff for this episode. (laughs) Yeah, no, me too. Um, This will be an interesting one. But before we dive in, what's new in the world of of Josh Patterson? Oh, goodness. Uh, Jeez, I don't even know, man. Uh, Not too much is new. Just been like, uh, I mean, really trying to figure out um, like what it's going to look like for me and Noelle. Noelle is my wife uh she's really cool she didn't pay me to say that uh but she did give me (laughs) chocolate chip cookies recently she just made them they're delicious but um that's wonderful we're trying to figure out like what it looks like for us to be able to go see our family uh for christmas because we live in south florida which is not where i was born nor noel uh both of our families are up in like the baltimore maryland area and so we're we've been recently trying to figure out like you know airplane tickets and when can i leave and you know uh, yeah. as, as far as get off his work where get off of work when can Noel get off of work so we can go see our our family and friends for christmas so that's that's new well, that's exciting well josh you know what they call florida uh hot the <laughs> underpants of america really yeah well that's what i call florida <laughs> at least i wonder why that is but, so i'm glad that you're gonna get out of there for christmas it's mm-hmm. not a place to be um, did the recent hurricane affect you guys at all? Was that in your area? Uh, so no, we're actually, so we're in, we're on a different coast. We are on okay. the east coast of Florida. We are in South Florida. Like, uh, we're in a place called West Palm beach where I think probably a lot of people are familiar with that. Uh, but we're yeah. like North of Miami. Um, okay. North of Fort that Lauderdale. Hurricane hit, that hurricane hit inside the panhandle, hit the West coast. Yes. It hit the West coast. Yeah. Oh, up okay. in the panhandle. Gotcha. So it was a couple hours away from us. I mean, we got a little bit of, like, rain from the, like, very, very outer bands, but it wasn't rain that was any different than, you know, rain that we we normally have in Florida. <laughs> okay, I gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, glad to hear that. Yeah, man, um, what's, what's up with you? Anything good? Anything new? What is up with me, Josh? I don't even know anymore. Uh, <laughs> I got I got a new position at work recently, which is exciting. That's pretty cool. Um, so I'm I'm now like delivery driving as well. So if for those of you who may not have heard or don't know, I'm working I work in the warehouse of a coffee company here, and so uh, I'm now also going to be like the main delivery truck driver. So I get to drive the big box truck. Uh, today I had to like do some crazy reverse stuff and <laughs> it was kind of it was kind of scary um because there's no rear view mirror like you know oh, wow. the cargo the cargo area blocks the rear view mirror yeah well, there, so there is a rear view mirror but all i see is a wall behind right me. Um, <laughs> why is the mirror so it's not there? it's not very useful yeah i don't know why it's there <laughs> but uh so that was a little scary but it went i didn't hit anything or anyone so that was good that's a plus um so that's exciting work is work is good uh what else is going on though i don't know how are your boys I, doing? i went the avalanche my how, boys yeah oh, the, the avalanche, avalanche. How are they doing? <laughs> like your boys you're talking about 
children at first. I was like, Josh, I don't have kids. Uh-oh. We decided not, <laughs> what we decided to, not to do the fake family thing for the podcast. Oh, remember? yeah. My bad. Um, my bad. <laughs> um, no, the Avalanche are doing great, man. They're off to a rip-roaring start. 6-1-2. and two. Oh, wow. Uh, McKinnon, Landeskog, and Rantanen are definitely one of the hottest lines in the NHL right now. Sweet. I mean, the abs are looking fierce, man. I honestly think people are still underestimating us. I was checking like some of the power rankings the other day, and like people are putting us at like eleven or twelve, but I honestly think we're top top seven at least. Yeah, that's really cool to hear, man. Because I like, I don't know. I've always secretly liked the Avalanche, but it's because hear me out. The Hershey okay. Bears, the Hershey <laughs> Bears, which are an AHL team, used to be the affiliate of the the affiliate of the Colorado Avalanche. So when I first yeah. started going to Hershey Bears games, they were, you know, they had Avalanche stuff everywhere, um, even though yeah. it was in Hershey. And now, you know, the Bears are, are connected to the Caps, which is awesome because I get to still cheer for the Bears. Um, yeah. So, like, I've always liked to follow them, and I think they've got a good young team, and uh, I like to see yeah. them do well, unless they play the Caps. Oh, thanks. Well, how are the Caps doing? Uh, I mean, they're not bad. They're off to a little bit of a slow start. They're 4-2-2. Two, and two. Um, okay. but they've had a super weird schedule. They did like this back to back and then had like five days off and then back to back and then like a bunch of days mm-hmm. off and then some games. Uh, but I mean, they're, they're doing well. People are freaking out like, Oh, the Caps suck this year. Blah, blah. But that's, <laughs> that's how you, you know, figure out who the bandwagon fans are. Uh, they're doing yeah. fine. You know, Ovechkin is, is putting up like a goal per game. Uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov is, you know, literally doing whatever he wants and uh, John yeah. Carlson, actually, who just got a big fat contract, uh, which oftentimes that results to like people starting to suck, but he got a big fat contract <laughs> and he is putting up goals. And I mean, like goal yeah. scorer goals. He's crashing the net. You know, he's getting deflection goals, dirty goals, rippers from, you know, the slot everywhere. Um, good for, good for know, John. Up at the point. So <laughs> I, I'm excited about them. I think they'll do well. well as Alex Ovechkin says, we're not going to be suck. <laughs> did he say that? He we're did. not going to be suck. That's yeah, great. I at, love that. At the beginning of last uh, season, he said, we're not going to be suck. Because everyone was doubting them. And so Russian Machine uh, okay. Never never Breaks, which is a, a blog for the Capitals, made a t-shirt that says, we're not going to be suck. And then That's uh, wonderful. after they won the cup, his speech was, I told you we're not going to be effing suck. So there's also a t-shirt you can get that says that. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So also speaking of hockey, before we dive into the episode real quick, for all of, the, for all of you who are interested, uh, Josh and I are actually in a fantasy hockey league together. Yeah, we and are. And Josh is killing it right now. You're 3-0 and right now, right? You're I am. Just, undefeated. He has the highest point total too right now. I'm really scared for when I play him. His <laughs> team is absolutely destroying everyone in this path i mean my team's good i'm your team is I have good. the second highest point total but i'm like a good bit behind you <laughs> yeah i just pulled mine so, up i'm winning by like 50 points right now this week against who are you playing i'm what, playing team? duck duck pike i don't know who that is oh, that's, that's a great that's someone who i know that's a d, great, uh, great d, team name d pike <laughs> there's some there's some great team names in our in our fantasy league like mine is team pizza yeah that's Doc. brilliant josh is z for zamboni yeah right? yep z is for yeah, zamboni so, so for all of you 
Brandon has some, are... some weird anime name. I can't even say I, it. I didn't understand that either. I don't. Uchiha but... Shinobi. Brandon, don't hate me for blowing that, but that's like Naruto or something. That's, that's weird, <laughs> yeah. Nerd. But for all you who are who are who are coming to this podcast looking for the latest in fantasy hockey news, there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you now you're up to date with what's going you on in our are fantasy. Welcome, league. you heard it here first. You're, yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, speaking of fantasy, <laughs> <laughs> what we're a talking segue. about <laughs> we're talking about a book today. Um, that sounds like an insult almost. So forget yeah. that I segued with that because that sounds like a really bad insult. But it was not meant to be. It was just uh, a really today, bad transition. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> today we're talking about a book called Letters to the Church by mm-hmm. Francis Chan, and this book has been hot lately. I've I've seen a lot of people talking about it. I mean, Francis Chan, he's a big name yeah. in the Christian world. So, uh. I'm excited for this conversation. Honestly, I'm gonna just gonna say up front, like uh, reading this book in preparation for this podcast, it made me think a lot, and I'm honestly still not totally processed through everything. Like I'm still thinking about a lot of this stuff, um, and so a lot of the stuff I say today in this podcast is going to be part of my thought process. It's not going to necessarily be a completely finished statement on like this is exactly what I think about this book. Yeah, I think. I'm I'm probably in the same boat as you, man. Like, so I think this will be a, a helpful conversation for you know even just for both of us to kind of bounce ideas off each other. Um, but yeah, I I don't know where I I you know I land on it, but also I know that for sure I feel convicted by Mr. Francis Chan. <laughs> if yeah, nothing that's else, one thing he does well. <laughs> that's one thing Mr. Chan does well is he always brings the conviction. I remember, I mean, Damn it, I was, Francis. I, <laughs> When I was a younger Christian, I I listened to uh or not listened to. I read the book Crazy Love a couple times and every oh, time cool. I read it it was like, "Oh. Oh, right in the <laughs> right in the conviction, right in the spirit." So right uh, in the feels. So yeah, this book was this book was good. Um so for those of you who are listening, I'll I'll give us a quick summary just kind of of what this book is about. We would obviously encourage you to read it yourself. Um and then either after listening to this podcast or before or both uh just just read it for yourself and see what he has to say but uh letters to the church by francis chan as you might guess is a book to the church specifically to the american church and really i think chan's primary concern throughout the entire book is the purity of the church so the whole book the premise of the book is uh how can we have a church that looks like what we see in scripture and so Chan's talking about what does the church look like in scripture? How can we emulate that? What does it look like? Um, He points out a lot of flaws with the American church as he sees it today. So that that's what the bulk of the book is. Honestly, is critiquing the church in America. And to his credit, he doesn't do it. He, he states up front. He's not trying to be arrogant or hateful. He loves the church. Um, But that's what the bulk of the book is, is, is pointing out issues we have in the American church and pointing to what he sees as kind of the biblical principle uh, that we should be following in that area. And then towards the end of the book, he shares a little bit about what he's been doing recently, um, which is he has been part of creating a network of house churches in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, which we'll talk a little bit more about exactly what that looks like as we get into the content of the book. But he shares a little about why he's been doing that and how he thinks that solves a lot of the problems that he's pointing out in the book. 
Um, so uh, some of the problems that he points out in the book specifically, I mean, he talks a lot about consumer Christianity, Christianity that leaves people out. You know, it has professionals doing everything and encourages everyone else to just kind of sit there and enjoy what they're doing. Uh, he talks about our kind of our comfort level, our lack of suffering, and our, our, our unwillingness to embrace suffering in the American church, things like that. And there's there's a lot of other stuff. So we'll dive into some of that. I would encourage you, we're not just like with the last book review we did, we're not going to be able to cover everything. Nope. Uh, but hopefully that gives you kind of an idea of the general direction of this book. So with that, um, Josh, let's just dive in. What are some things from this book that you really liked? Or what are some things you agreed with from this book? Okay. Um, so first off, and I already said this, man, like the thing that I liked the most is like Francis Chan got me thinking. Like he, mm-hmm. I mean, he got me thinking both positive, you know, in good ways and bad ways. Like he, I mean, I feel convicted. Um, I have lost sleep over some of the things he was talking about because I stay up <laughs> yeah. and think about stuff because I'm a, I'm a dork and that's what I do. Um, but so I really like that. First and foremost, I like the fact that he got me to think um, because that's important. And I think, you know, we should all, you know, learn from that. But anyway, uh, but I also really, I really liked the kind of his calling out of um, the consumeristic, the consumer minded church. Um, yeah, I thought that was really good. Um, I kind of resonate with that. Uh, the like, leave it to the professionals kind of thing. Uh, I mean, that's kind of spoke with me personally, because I uh, once I worked in a church that um, was very in my my mind, very uh, consumer minded. Um, it, it felt more like a business than a church. It was more about like, how can we, you know, protect this church, this entity, this building, you know, whatever. Yeah. Instead of, you know, how do we, how do we shepherd our people? How do we care for the people? It was very much, you know, this church over the people. And I struggled with that. That's wrong. And so I really enjoyed, you know, his bits about that. Um, I, I thought it was really cool. Just his stories about what churches look like in different countries in different contexts. Um, and, and, and some of the things he talked about with suffering and persecution, uh, really resonated with me, um, a lot and also he the thing that i think convicted me the most was his bit he talked a lot about um and this is going to sound stupid but he talked a lot about uh prayer and involving god in things and yeah how often we just think well this is the best business strategy this is how we're going to get people through the door this is the best you know this is the best way to preach this is the best way to do this like how can we build this church on the power of man often happens and like, I feel yeah. like I've been guilty of that, um, you know, in staff meetings, you know, just, oh, this is what I think is best. Let's do this. Or even with like the student ministry that I've, you know, been tasked with overseeing and, and building now, um, I feel like I haven't, uh, you know, given that to God. It's been more so I have this knowledge. I have this skill set. I have these abilities. Yes, God gave them to me, but like, you know, I've left God out of that. And so that was very convicting to me. So those, those three things were, were things that I really liked, um, about his book. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think you're spot on with a lot of that stuff. I would, in terms of what I agreed with, honestly, I think it's a lot of the same stuff I found. I found the book very convicting. Um, one of the things that Chan, like just his kind of his role, I guess, as an author, kind of similar to guys like David Platt and other guys like that, like what he does best is he, 
he like gets you thinking and makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and so I really appreciated that because his book did make me uncomfortable and I'm still thinking about a lot of the stuff that he said in the book. Uh, I don't agree with everything he said, but he, he really pushed me to think. And so one of the things I really appreciated about this book, um, is that Chan right up front, his, his goal is to, uh, to build a scriptural church. He wants to Mm -hmm. base it in scripture. And so I really appreciate that. I appreciate that goal. And I share that goal. I want the church to be biblical. I want it to be based on the word of God. And, uh, and so I appreciate that. That's what he's trying to do. Um, I really, I think a lot of the problems that he pointed out with the church were right. I think, you know, he points out a lot of issues with consumerism in the church. Like people have this mentality of the, the professionals, like you said, Josh doing stuff for them. Um, and, and of course, there's there's just the whole issue of being comfortable in the American church. And that's kind of what his book Crazy Love was about, too, mm-hmm. uh, is about, you know, in America, it's so easy to just call yourself a Christian and then not really live <laughs> very differently. <from> you, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, you might like not swear you go to church, you go to small group, but your life actually doesn't really reflect like it doesn't show that much sanctification, you're not bearing much fruit. Um, it's not as, as Chan would probably want to put it, you know, your life isn't bearing evidence of supernatural change. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I think that's valid. I think he does a good job of pointing out those issues in the American church. Uh, what oftentimes will be uh, kind of a lack of, of love and a lack of the connection that we see in scripture among the churches. Another thing that he points out that I thought was really good. Um, we're not, we're not as close to one another and as loving to one another as it seems we should be a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Um, and then one of the things that I also really appreciated about this book is that throughout, especially at the beginning and also towards the end, Chan, uh, emphasized that this book shouldn't be taken to church leaders and just used as a weapon to bludgeon them. Yeah. Um, and I, there's a specific quote, if I can find it, I would love to read it real quick. Because uh, he he said something. Here it is. Uh, voices are plentiful. Followers are not. Strong opinions are applauded. Humility is not. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that changes do not need to be made among leaders. I am simply calling for grace. Imagine how difficult it would be to coach a team where each player refuses to follow because he or she has a better plan than the coach. <laughs> Welcome to the American <laughs> church in the 21st century. Let's exercise some humility. Yeah. That's on page 25. I like... That I appreciated that so much because I feel like so often, um, in people who share a mentality with Chan, I would say people who are kind of in similar movements, uh, they can be so hostile and even arrogant towards other Christians. Yeah, um, it's really easy uh, for people in that position who are kind of calling the church to change to just to take what they believe and bludgeon other Christians with it. And so I appreciate that he's, he's saying to his readers, you know, don't go out and just like attack your pastor and be like, you're evil. You don't love Jesus. And you know, like, and you're wrong about everything. Francis Chan told me. So so I appreciate that. He he has a lot of valid points, but he's calling for grace and calling for humility. And I appreciate that. Yeah. He was very, Um, he was very, I think, transparent in this book like he was very open and honest about his struggles his failures his shortcomings and how like a lot of the stuff he's talking about in here are things that he is saying to himself as well because he committed a lot of the things that he said are wrong and so i i commend him on that he was i mean it was very transparent very he was very humble you know exercised a lot of humility 
Uh, so I thought that was cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's a lot to be commended in this book. I think I think we both experienced conviction from this book. I've I've still been. I will say this book. It didn't totally convince me, but this book is the closest I've ever come to being convinced of the house church model uh, <laughs> as like as like the thing. Not yeah. I think house churches are fine. I'm not against them, but uh, like he he came close. I he didn't quite get me, but uh, you know he this this book was very persuasive. He pointed out a lot of good issues. And really, honestly, forced me to check my heart, too, as as someone who I'm not working on a church staff right now, but as someone who's uh, still in kind of a position of leadership in a church, um, he forced me to check my heart. He said something along the lines of, I'm paraphrasing, but uh, he said at one point in the book, he said something like, take an honest look at your life and ask, like, are you living, are you following Jesus in a way that's worth imitating? Yeah. And so that for for me that was a wake up call and it was a good convicting moment because uh I when I look at my life like I I want to be able to say yes I'm I'm following Jesus in a way that I would encourage others to imitate but I can't always say that. Right. Uh and so so there was a lot of really good stuff in this book. Um however the podcast wouldn't be that interesting unless we <laughs> talked about what we disagreed with. Right. So I would love to, I would I would love to hear Josh maybe uh, some of what you disagreed with and sure. we'll kind of see where this goes maybe we can have a discussion about that okay yeah that's that's good man i think for me i because i don't want to nitpick on like little stupid stuff i'd rather address yeah. like the the thing to me that i i most struggled with um and it's not because i disagree with him i just think he had to nuance what he was saying or like add to it explain more bring mm. clarity he was talking about like how when we critique church leaders, it's like taking a sledgehammer uh, to the church. And like, I get his sentiment of not wanting to tear down other believers and, um, you know, not wanting to tear down uh, pastors just because we disagree with them and things like that. So I get what he's saying. But my problem is there are a lot of pastors and a lot of leaders in churches today uh that need to be corrected <laughs> that are like doing things that are blatantly yeah. wrong that need to be called out like very much yeah. so like there are I, I don't know so i think that has to be there there has to be a nuance there because if we're not yeah. calling out pastors then things like um like the bill hybels thing that's what happens when you don't call out pastors yeah when and i don't think i think maybe it's you would want him to nuance it more. I don't think he's saying we shouldn't ever call people out. Right. Because because then what follows, after what you're talking about, like what follows a lot is him calling the church yeah. the church <laughs> out. Um But I do get what you're saying. I think I think his concern is at the beginning of the book, he wants to make sure people know that he doesn't hate the church and he's not trying to destroy the church. He has right. a high view of the church. Right. And so he wants people to know that he cares about and loves the church. But I see what you're saying that maybe there should be a little more nuance in how he says it. Yeah, for sure. Cause, and I mean, I know it, it, it definitely strikes a chord with people, uh, especially with people who aren't um, super in favor of the church. When you start saying things like don't criticize the church, that, that definitely throws up, uh, you know, some red flags. Um, so I, I don't like, I agree with you. I don't think that's what he was saying, but that chapter taking out of context, which I have heard it, you know, I've heard, I first heard about this book on a different podcast, uh, that I love, 
Um, don't hate me for this, Andy, but it's called the Bad Christian Podcast. That I, is, I knew that was going to be the podcast. <laughs> Dude, that I is my favorite podcast. And like I talked about, you know, this podcast in like the BC Club on their Facebook page and stuff. And the amount of support yeah. from some of the people in there has been really awesome. Uh, but they awesome. they address this issue, and I mean, the the Bad Christian Podcast, like you know, people give them crap for you know tearing down the church, but in their minds, they're really trying to build up the church because, um, you know, they care about it. So. I think, yeah. but anyway, I think uh, the Chan bit, like it is important to just to nuance that because there are leaders that need to be called out. Like there are times yeah. when at, at my previous job at the place I worked, I wished that I actually called out the, you know, the, the head pastor of that church sometimes because there are things yeah. that I regret now and things that I can't change in ways that I know people of that church are being harmed and I can't do anything about it. And I feel convicted yeah. that I didn't say anything. Um, hmm. and so like, I, maybe it strikes, maybe I'm more sensitive to it because I've experienced hurt from the church and like, I still choose to work in a church, but like that, that was very difficult for me. So that, that might be why I'm more sensitive yeah. to it. That could be. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And honestly, one of the biggest problems that I had with the book, uh, one of the biggest issues that I saw is related in that it's about not having enough nuance. I think once again, yeah. Um, cause one of my biggest issues with the book was that I felt like he overstated his case and he was too broad a lot of times. Okay. Um, you know, there were statements and I'll, I'll be paraphrasing. I'm not quoting exactly from the book. Um, but he said something along the lines at one point in the book of like, he, w- he thinks that every pastor or every church leader in America needs to either be renewed or replaced. Yeah. <laughs> so like, so like, and I don't think. I don't know that he actually meant what that statement conveys by itself, but like that, what that statement is saying is you don't think there's a single pastor in America (laughs) who's faithfully serving the Lord right now. Like, is that what like, and so there's a lot of stuff like that where I feel, I feel like he takes a lot of his own experience having been the pastor of kind of a, a mainstream evangelical mega church and applies it across the board to the church in America. Right. And, and no doubt a lot of the critiques are valid, but I think sometimes he overgeneralizes. Like I, and I get it. I worked at a mega church. You, you, I mean, I worked at a church very similar to the one that you worked at that you were talking about before that, that was like the epitome of what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and then I've been involved in churches since then that are healthier, but could definitely still grow in some of the areas he's talking about. Sure. No doubt. Like they're not perfect and they we definitely still have a long way to go. Uh, but I feel like he just sometimes he overstates his case and he's like, every church in America is failing miserably. Like, right. you know, like there's no churches in America. He said something about like how he thought that no one in America could name an American church that is known for how they love one another. And I don't think that's true. Like, I sure. think there are churches in America sure. that are known for how they love one another. Um, now, there's a real danger. Like I do. I see his point, And I think a lot of it has to do with who Chan is and kind of what his role is. He kind of has taken up. Not in a literal prophecy way, but in kind of like the style sense, like a prophetic mantle, right? right. That's kind of his thing. Yeah. Uh, he He's here to kind of speak conviction and like warn the church about things. And I think we need people like that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I think I think if he's the only voice you listen to, you're going to miss some nuance. And I think it'll that wouldn't be good. Yeah, most definitely. So, so I think the the kind of that's my biggest issue with this book is I think he overstates his case. I think he overgeneralizes. 
Um, and he doesn't, I think he, he paints too negative of a picture and, and too broad brush sometimes with a lot of his warnings and a lot of his issues. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? No, I think, I think that's a completely fair critique because I mean, he is coming from like, that is his context. He built a massive mega church and he stepped away from that, but like, that's, that's what he knows. And so like when, when, when something is like, you only know what you know. And so he's critiquing what he knows. And so I think, I mean, anytime you speak in in generalizations, you know, you can be proven wrong about anything. And so I think I I would agree with you. I do think that his critiques um, sometimes are too generalized and could be, um, you know, proven wrong, uh, you know, by various churches in this, you know, in America. I think there are some phenomenal, I, I mean, there has to be, I know there are some phenomenal churches in America that get it and that are doing things uh yeah right and i think there you know i think there are pastors um you know that get in and are doing things right too but um i think like i can i really resonate with the mega church you know thing with him um yeah because i think a lot of times uh it takes man i'm going to put my foot in, the, in, in my mouth but it takes a certain kind <laughs> of it takes a certain kind of person to lead a mega church and a lot of the times yeah. the stuff he's talking about like the arrogance and the pride and like things like that, even if at first it's not your intention or if it's subconscious, like a lot of the times in order to get up into a very high place like that in a mega church, you have to step on people. You have to like do things that are, are kind of sketchy, you know, or, or counterintuitive to the gospel. And so I think um, it's fair that he's making critiques, but like you said, he's being too general. I think he's critiquing yeah. a certain type of church that is becoming popular in America. Um, yeah. And I think that's fair. But like you said, it's just too general. <clears throat> and, and like I said, like, I think he- even like relatively speaking, healthy churches in America probably have something to learn from what he's saying. Sure. Um, even like I go to a church that I consider to be pretty healthy. I consider it to be biblical. Um, but do I see some of the issues that he's talking about in certain places? Yeah. I think there are ways we could improve. Uh, but that's true of every church. And I, right. I don't like, I don't think you're going to find a perfect church. I think if no, he were to honestly look at his house church network, he would find places to improve oh, sure. in, in becoming more biblical too. Um, <clears throat> but I guess I think, I think his big concern is to have a pure church. And because right. in a lot of it's informed by his experience going overseas and encountering other churches overseas, especially in persecuted countries. Right. Um, and, and there the church is pure because it has to be like, <laughs> no, no one is going to know Christ. No one's going to follow Christ in a country or claim to follow Christ in a country where they'll be persecuted for it. If they're not serious about it. Yeah, for sure. And, and so when, when you come back here, I think there is a disconnect and it can be disheartening to then come back to America right. and see a lot of people who claim to follow Christ who don't really care. Yeah. But I think, I think where you have to be careful is especially in some of the healthier churches, maybe not in all churches, but especially in some of the healthier churches, there are actually a lot of people who are following Jesus faithfully and who are committed. But because of the society we live in, because it's still pretty easy to be a Christian here, like they're not everyone who's in the church. Right. And so you're going, we kind of have that kind of like layer of fat developed around the meat. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Um, And, and I agree that we should try to purify it. And honestly, so much of what he talks about in this book, I 
what my mind was going to the whole time was church discipline. Okay. You know, so like one of my favorite, or, I don't know about favorite, but one of the things I really am passionate about that churches in America, I think, suck at, even <laughs> some churches that are fairly healthy, is having church discipline. Oh, for sure. And so like we don't discipline our members in American churches. Very few churches do at least. Like we don't hold our members to standards of morality or standards of involvement or things like that. Like kind of like he was talking about with the comfort thing, the consumerism thing. We try to make it as easy as possible for people to slowly engage. And I think that's wrong. Like for someone to be a full member of our church, to be considered an active member, like we should have requirements. We should have expectations. Mm -hmm. And so I agree with, I agree with Chan a lot on that. I just think that uh, he kind of throws the baby out with the bathwater at some points. Um, And, and like kind of decries all American churches because there are believers within the churches who are uh, who are not committed in, or professing believers who are not committed. And so I wish that he would have talked about that a little bit more about the idea of church discipline because he hinted at it some with his house churches. Right. Uh, with how everyone there is expected to be committed. But I wish he had talked a little bit more about church discipline and about how important that is for the life of the church. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, too, because I think part of that, I mean, um, you know, a lack of church discipline or whatever. Uh, I think part of the, the reason that we have that is be I think it's faulted by a lot of like the church and what we've been teaching people. Especially, like, I think that stems from the fact that a lot of our churches are consumeristic. People are Mm -hmm. taught that you find a church that, um, like, you basically, people go church shopping. Like, they go, this one has cool lights, or this one has the best music, or this pastor's really great, or whatever. And, like, there's an extent where it's important because, you know, people connect differently with God. And, you know, church is supposed to be focused on worshiping God. But I think that God connects with people differently. So there, there's a part of that that's important. But when we teach people that they come to church to consume the music and then yeah. to sit down and shut up and be seen and not heard and listen to the pastor ramble off about, you know, whatever, and then they just leave and they, yeah. they pat themselves on the back and say, congratulations, Josh, you went to church today. Like, we'll, like picture like a checkbox. Like I checked off the church box for the week I'm a good Christian. Yeah. I'm fine. And the problem is the church is lying to people by saying that is what it means to be a Christian. Come, right. Yeah. Well, and I come totally agree. to and our that's... place and, and you're good. Like what? <laughs> and that's why church discipline is so important because when we have a strong practice of church discipline, we're telling people what it means to be a committed Christian is not just to attend a worship service. Right. You know, what it means to be a Christian is to follow these standards, right? To to be actively engaged in, and I mean, it'll vary a little bit from church to church, but to be actively engaged in whatever they say, like in service in small groups and what, in whatever it, whatever it is for that church to be living in a holy life, you know, to be seeking to live a holy life. So all that stuff, church discipline is super important. And, and one of the things this book really did wake me up to, um, and made me really convicted me about is that especially, I don't know, I don't know if this is true for you, but for me, I feel like in the reformed camp, um, or at least in my experience being in the reformed world, I feel like we, I feel like our theology overall is really solid and I love it, but (laughs) I feel like I, I have had a tendency to neglect, um, the, the parts of scripture, particularly, I guess, in the gospels that are talking, that talk about the costliness of discipleship or to kind of gloss, to gloss over them, not to ignore them or dismiss them, but to gloss over them, uh, to de-emphasize them. And so I, 
I firmly believe that the gospel is 100% grace, right? It's God's grace from start to finish. But I think uh, emphasizing the costly commitment of discipleship that comes as part of that grace is important. And I think sometimes it's easy to neglect that, to de-emphasize it. Um, and so I think church discipline is part of emphasizing that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, man. I think, I think that's important. Um, especially because I think like what I would call that is like the idea of cheap grace. Yeah. Like, Oh, I've heard that term before. Yeah. It's just, it's just like cheap grace. Like, Oh, um, you know, like I said, and, and the problem is it's taught by the church. Because the issue is, in my mind, the church is more concerned about getting, you know, butts and seats than it is about mm-hmm. uh, shepherding the people. Like, and that yeah, that, when, that freaking blows my mind. <laughs> that's And that's something I appreciated about Chan's book is he, he talked about, you know, it, it might not be the worst thing in the world if we lose people. Yeah. You know, maybe it's better for us to call people into a serious commitment to following Christ and to lose a lot of people than to keep going as it is. And I agree with him. I think churches need to be willing to make that commitment, need to be willing to to call people to follow Christ seriously. Right. Um, and of course, I I want to, my, my good reform side, I want to make sure I, I go back and say, like, I don't think that, you know, in any way that is how we earn our salvation or anything like that. But when we're truly saved by grace, when, when God truly saves us and makes us a new creation, like a a new life of discipleship has to follow. Yeah. No. And so, so that's important. I, I do think though that, uh, one of the things that struck me as odd was I felt like, and this is maybe just a minor detail. This isn't like the overall argument of the book or anything, but Chan talked about how numbers weren't important. Right. Um, and then <laughs> there was one part of the book where he was sharing like some of the awesome things God had done in other countries. And all of the things he shared were how like, Ama- how much amazing numerical growth been <laughs> right in and and i get like to an extent like what else are you going to share about sure like, it's hard to sure but it was it just struck me as kind of odd yeah no i think that's fair that it, um yeah i get you <laughs> yeah but but overall i i, I did feel con- convicted by chan on that point of we need to make sure we're going back and really really being honest about the fact that following jesus is all of grace it's all by god's grace but that grace also pushes us and enables us to follow him in very costly ways right and a lot of times in the american church we don't do that we we live lives that are very comfortable and not very different from our non-christian neighbors yeah no i agree with you man i think the like on that point i think he used a really strong uh, metaphor or imagery when he taught that he talked about like he he actually did a thought experiment with his daughter and he said hey what if, you know, there's two different kind of birthday parties I can throw you. One birthday party, mm. I'm, we're only going to have a birthday cake. That's it. There's going to be no programming, no fun games, whatever. People can come, they can celebrate you, and they can share cake with you and, you know, celebrate you on your birthday. Or I could throw you a birthday party at Dave & Buster's. I'll pay for everybody to come. You know, we'll do unlimited tokens, unlimited laser tag, you know, unlimited bowling, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he asked his daughter, which one of those uh do you think people would want to go to or who he said who would go who would go to the first birthday party and she said well probably my true friends would come to that one and he said okay well yeah. well who would come to the second one and he said well probably the entire school <laughs> yeah and so the i think yeah. i think the point is like he's comparing the church to that 
Like, do we want people yeah. that are there authentically to worship God because they have a relationship with him? Or do you think God is more pleased with having a whole bunch of people sitting in a church that are just passive uh, participants, if you can even call that, you know, call them that. Yeah. Just passive people yeah. that are there so they can pat themselves on the back and say, you know, well done. And I'm not saying that they're thinking that consciously, um, but like that's what they're being that's, taught. That is what they're yeah, being that's, told. And that's what their lives bear out. Yeah. yeah. And so – and so. Go for it. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, no. I was just going to say, I, I think you're totally right. He's he's right on the money with that, that, you know, we need to be willing. We need to abandon the consumers and we need to abandon the desire to please people. And like his whole point is we need to please God. Right. First and foremost. Um, one other thing, if you if you don't mind, I was going to move into another thing that kind of I disagreed with. OK. In the book. Um, and this is not as much of the major argument of the book, but something that I I felt really strongly about was I I didn't like how Chan de-emphasized preaching. Okay. Uh, both throughout the book and especially when he was talking about what he does. So in his current church model, for those who aren't familiar, um, it's small house churches. They're like 20 to 30 people. I think like they max out at 30 people. Once they get that, they have to split. Yeah, they split. Um. And their gatherings, I mean, they do stuff together, I think, throughout the week. Like, their go- one of their main goals, which is good, is to be in each other's lives all the time. Um, but they, when they gather our, for their, like, kind of main weekly worship on Sundays, uh, they don't have preaching. They have discussion. So it's kind of almost like a, what we would call a small group in a lot of churches. Yeah. They have Bible discussion time, they have prayer time, and then they share a meal together. And so I really strongly disagreed with that because I believe – coming from the Reformed tradition, I believe that preaching is central to the life of the church. And one of the things that kind of struck me about it is like daily Bible reading is awesome. They, they, everyone in the church has to read the Bible daily and then they discuss the plan together, like discuss what they read together. Um, Daily Bible reading is awesome. I strive to read my Bible every day. Like I encourage people to do that. I, I don't, I'm not trying to diss on that at all, but if we look at the history of the church and we look at scripture, uh, what was central to the worship gatherings of the church was first, it was, I mean, there was the public reading of scripture. So mm-hmm. someone would read the scripture aloud, but also the preaching of the word. And so if you look at church history, for example, like by this standard of, if you have to be able to like have everyone read the Bible every day and then discuss it up until like really like the 17 or 1800s, that would have been impossible. Yeah. Oh yeah. Most definitely. Cause people, people weren't literate. People didn't have their own Bibles and so I, I want to push back against his de-emphasis because Fran, uh, Francis Chan talks a lot in his, I almost called him, Fran, I called him Fran. <laughs> Fran, Fran talks a lot in his book. Um, well, not maybe not a lot, but he talks about how just having people read the Bible together and discuss it is so much better than him preaching because they're just looking at the Bible rather than what he has to say about it. Right. And I get where that comes from. I get that's coming from a place of humility but throughout scripture, we see that God uses preaching of the word, mm-hmm. right? And so in, in, when Paul's writing to Timothy, his exhortation to him is to preach the word, right? Do not grow weary in pe- preaching the word. In Acts, when the apostles are electing the deacons to help with kind of the mercy ministries of the church, they, they say they don't want to give up the preaching of the word, right? They, they are committed to that. And so... I would want to push back on that and say, I think preaching is vital to the life of the church. I think that it's absolutely important. 
And so while I appreciate a lot of what he does, and I do think we need to make scripture central to the life of our church, I agree with him on that. I think that we can't just do away with preaching and make our church gatherings just a Bible study because there is something special. I think there is something special about the preaching of the word to God's people. And I, I think he wants to avoid the consumerist mindset of like, everyone's just listening to the preacher. Uh, But I think that you can have preaching work in a way where it's not fueling a consumerist mindset. Yeah, no, most definitely. I I think you're spot on with that. Um, I agree with your assessment. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, I think, um, and this this might be touching back on on something that we we're speaking about a little while ago. But I think, um, for me, I think what the strength in his model is though is that, like, mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think preaching is essential. Um, but I think that what the strength is. That like the church in my mind is like a body of believers that are doing life together. Like they're doing yeah. and sharing life together. And I think that's the strength of his model that we often miss um, in the consumeristic kind of church. And I think I think part of that is because of even just some of like the language that we use. Like we use language like, mm. oh, we're going to or like the church, like point to a building. That yeah. building is my church. Um, yeah. Or even something – and I don't know, maybe I'm crazy for thinking this, but even using words like the sanctuary, like somehow that room in that building is is somehow more special. Uh, when we saw like mm-hmm. early, you know, people in the early church, they, I, I mean, early church, like straight out Jesus, you know, super close to his, his time. These were people meeting in each other's homes, but they were mm-hmm. communities of believers doing life together, breaking bread together, you know, sharing communion together and trying to follow jesus together and yeah and that's and I, the strength think, of his model i think yeah that does get lost a lot of times i think one of the weaknesses to, to push back a little i do agree that that's super important and something that needs to be emphasized in the church today um because because our spiritual formation is so much more powerful when it happens in a close-knit community I oh think most that's definitely undeniable um but I would want to push back. I think sometimes like in these house church movements and things like that, community gets overemphasized to the point where that's all the churches. Right. And I'm not saying that's not necessarily what he's doing here, but I, I do want to say, you know, like the church is also like definitional to the church is the preaching of the word and the sacraments and, you know, gathering for public worship, things like that right. are also are equally important. And so it doesn't need to be one or the other. Like it doesn't need to be, we don't have to choose between, having a church with preaching and sacraments and like a structured worship service and leaders or having a community. Like we should should strive to have both. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and I don't necessarily, I think that Chan would probably agree with that too. Maybe minus the preaching part, maybe. (laughs) Um, but, uh, I'll call him tomorrow and ask him. Thanks. Yeah. Let him know. Francis Chan, if you're listening, please feel free to contact (laughs) us. Love to hear from you. Um, (laughs) but, but I think, I think that one of the one of the things I would have liked to have seen more of in this book is I would have liked to have seen a little more like sturdy uh, theology yeah. behind what his definition of the church is. Like he 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 talked a lot about kind of like his hope, like his goals for like what the church should be. But I I felt like he could have done a little more, and maybe it's because of the popular nature of the book. I felt like he could have done a little more kind of biblical theology of like backing up like really what is the church in a biblical sense not just right. what does the church do or what does the church look like because that's what he focuses on more yep what does the church do what does the church look like but he doesn't talk about from scripture what is the church and so 
like in his in his thing on leaders i wish he would have gone into more like what is what does scripture prescribe when it comes to church leaders right and things like that um but so i i think there's a lot of good stuff in this book there's there's a lot of conviction and so for those of you who are listening maybe considering reading this book i would encourage you to read it and let it convict you let it move your heart and make you want to change and want to improve uh but i think there's also a lack of nuance there's a lot more that could be done there yeah and so i would also advise people against blindly taking every single thing he (laughs) says like i need to i need to be the next francis chan yeah um i would encourage that against uh, anything though I'm a huge well, yeah, I'm a huge true. advocate of, of people thinking for themselves and not just, you know, listening to, to some guy who wrote a book or I mean, even if he's a cool person, like, you know, I think yeah. overall Francis Chan is a cool person, but and I think he would say it too, like he he would be open to like criticism and challenge and pushback. Yeah, yeah so I, that's an important point. And and he says stuff like that in his in his book. Yeah, most he's definitely. Open to critique and he doesn't um but I and I just think when we're looking at his model, especially like his house church model, I think there's a lot of good stuff there. And I'm not against house churches. Like house churches are can be a great thing, um, but I I would want to push back against the sense that like I have some friends who who seem to think like that model is like the answer for the church and that's the way forward. And I would want to push back on that a little. Um, I think that there can be danger too in in models like that, and a lot of people who are in movements like that can overemphasize experience uh like overemphasize the experiential aspect of being part of a church right and neglect neglect the like what scripture prescribes and neglect the theological aspect that's another question i would actually love i've i have scoured the website of his church and everything um but another question i would love to hear is like what kind of theological training do his pastors receive right um because for those of you once again if you haven't read the book or don't know much about it uh all the pastors in his house church network are uh, unpaid. So they all work full time and then they're pastors. Uh, and so mo- most, if not all of them pretty much are not seminary educated. And so I would love to hear because I think it would be, once again, I think it'd be a shame to throw out all theological education right. for pastors. Not right. that every pastor has to have an MDiv, but I think throwing out education would be a shame. And so maybe he hasn't done that, but he doesn't talk about that. He doesn't talk about like, what what kind of education do they need and things like that so um yeah so there's some questions for me like that i don't necessarily think that his house church model is like the answer for the church but i do think he points out a lot of a lot of important stuff yeah for sure i think too um i mean i see that our our time is is drawing near uh but one thing (laughs) one thing that i mentioned a little bit earlier and like i just i just found a quote on it that really uh like it stuck with me and like i mean yeah. it's it struck me to the core and it's because i mean i i was convicted by it but i 100 percent agree with him he says and uh, for you andy it's on 194 he says our country needs to encounter churches that cannot be explained by strategic planning hmm. and like that really spoke to me because that's what i was getting at earlier about like leaving god out of the equation like the yeah. and i i mean i worked at a church that was the epitome of strategic planning like we did mass mass mail campaigns and we sent like tons of email like email blasted people an ungodly amount of time every day and (laughs) sent like all this mail and crap to their house and like 
our like hosting time or announcements, whatever you might call it in your church was a hundred percent scripted and you had to say things this way. All of our flyers were yeah. super meticulous and everything was about have a plan, have a plan, have a plan. Like even when I would, I was a teaching pastor there. Whenever I got up to preach, I was handed a freaking manuscript by that somebody else wrote, like go preach this. Yeah, It was all strategic yeah. planning, strategic planning, strategic planning. We read more business books together I literally read books on sales tactics and was told, use this to teach people about Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Like go sell, yeah. sell our church to people, sell Jesus to people. And everything we did was a sale tactic. Even when we would supposedly be serving the community, it was just an yeah. underhanded way to emphasize, hey, come to our church. It's so freaking awesome. Like I've, I've been there. And, and again, that's probably why I'm so sensitive to it. But like there was yeah. like, we talked about God and prayed like, oh, God, bless our plans. But the exact problem was that's all we were praying. God, bless our plans. God, bless our plans. There was mm-hmm. no God. What yeah. is your plan for our church? God, what should we be doing? Where should we be moving? How should we be shepherding your people? It was just how can we grow this entity? You know, how can we grow this church? How can we make this this specific church, you know, you know bigger, better, whatever? And that often came, I mean, always came at the cost of one sacrificing my marriage and my family um, on the altar of, of working at this place, you know, that church always had to come before my family always had to come before, Mm. you know, like when I was ordained, there's like 15 or 20 people that, that flew out uh, to be a part of that ceremony. And I was told I couldn't go eat lunch with them, that I had to go back to the office and work. (laughs) constantly that kind of stuff happened constantly because it wasn't about it was about building this this business this entity whatever yeah and it was all strategic planning and so like i was convicted because even when i i was brought into my new job to help build this youth group i took on some of those same characteristics like oh i have all this knowledge (laughs) and wisdom how can i build this and then like Chan convicted me and he was like, wait a minute, dude, like, where's, where's God in all of this? Where have you been praying? Where's Jesus? And it's not that I, yeah. it's not that I wasn't, but I was a hundred percent basing it off of Josh's wisdom, you know, my knowledge, my skill set, what I've done in the past that has worked, which I mean, I, I'm not saying that having wisdom is bad because I think God gives us that, but like I was leaving God out of it. And so when people see just yeah. these consumeristic churches, like anybody can draw a crowd. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like anybody, yeah. football stadiums draw crowds because of strategic planning. People need to see there is something supernaturally different about those people, about Christians. Yeah. And they need to see the supernatural impact that Christ has had in our lives, that the Holy Spirit has as it, mm. as it moves through us and flows out of us. And like – yeah, I think part of the reason people critique the church so much is because all it has, you know, and this is general and we're just talking about not being general, but a lot of it has become this consumeristic mindset where we're building things on strategic planning and not basing it off of the love of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. We just look like any other building or any other thing that's trying to get your attention and advertise to you. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think... um I think Chan Chan does point to he thinks that the future of the church in America 
as we're as we're entering a climate that's more hostile to Christianity too. The future of the church will be smaller, simpler gatherings. Yeah, and I I do agree I do agree with him on that. I don't necessarily think that we need to abandon paid pastors, right? Or that every church will be a house church. Um, and we don't have time to get into all of <laughs> that, but uh, but I do agree that I think I think we it's so vital that we move away from kind of the consumer entertainment based model. I mean, for school, I've written several like 10 to 15 page papers on why the attractional church model is garbage. I I'm very passionate about that. <laughs> I think, I think it's important for us to recognize um, that it's flawed and, and we do need churches. I think people will be more amazed, even if they're not, even if they're not saved, I think people will be more amazed when they see our love for Christ yes. without all the flashiness, yes. you know, when they see how much we desire to worship Christ and know Christ without all the flashiness and the entertainment and all the gimmicks. Uh, and so that's super important for us to recognize. I think uh, I, I did appreciate Chan, you know, showed his showed his Calvinist card in the book. When he talked about how, <laughs> you know, if we need to just love Christ and glorify him. And if people people don't show up, that's, you know, God hasn't called them. God's spirit hasn't moved. We need to move on. We need to accept that. We don't need to try to do something that God's spirit isn't doing. Sure. You know, we don't we don't need to try to win people that. <laughs> that God's spirit isn't winning. We need to love Christ and glorify him and, and show his glory to the world in a way that he calls us to, in a way that pleases him and let his people be drawn in. Yeah. And so, uh, no, I think that's, so yeah. So, yeah, I think that's fair. The only, I would have a, I mean, I agree with you. I agree with you. The only pushback I would say, and, and it, it, it's, it's interesting. Cause I think that as mature believers, we go to church to worship God and to glorify Christ and to glorify Jesus. And I think, like I, I 100% agree with what you're saying. My only little bit of pushback would be is I think sometimes, uh, and it's it might just be an emphasis emphasis things. Sometimes, as believers, when we're there to worship God, truly there to worship God, and our heart is in the right place, we'll be we'll be willing to you know maybe reach the the culture in a way that is relevant to them. I'm not because I, I don't think what you're saying is don't try to reach people. But I think what you're saying is if yeah. if people are are not are like not receiving it, then don't keep trying with like crazy ridiculous gimmicks. That's that's more so what you're saying, yeah. right? Okay, yeah, that, I, I agree. Yeah, exactly. I agree exactly. with you. No, I I agree with you. I was yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I do. I do. I'm not saying we shouldn't do evangelism or seek to reach people right. or things like that. But but I do think you know what our church is about. A lot of churches today, especially attractional churches, mega churches. Uh, they're based. They're basically evangelistic organizations, right? Like, there's a big old long quote that I can't recite from memory, but there's a quote <laughs> from Stephen Furtick. Uh, maybe you've seen it floating around the internet about like why they don't do all this stuff at Elevation because what they care about is evangelism. And if you like need to be fed, and if you if like you need all this stuff, and you like if you don't, you obviously don't care enough about evangelism, you need to find another church. Sure. Um. And I don't think that the church, I do think evangelism and reaching the lost is an, an important part of the church. But when we look at scripture, that's not the purpose of the church. Right. The church doesn't, the, the church doesn't exist to be an evangelistic organization. Christians do evangelism, but like the church itself, the, the main end goal of the church is not evangelism. Right. The end goal of the church, really the end goal of the church is to be the church for the glory of God. Like in a way you could almost say the church is an end in itself. Right. Uh, because the church being the church glorifies God. But, um, but yeah, so I, I think we're in a lot of agreement on that, that we need, there's definitely a lot of room for reformation, a lot of change in the American church. 
So yeah, we're we're running low on time, <laughs> but I hope for our listeners, I hope we've given you a good taste of what this book is about. Yeah. Um, I hope that you'll go read it for yourself. I hope as you do, you'll consider some of the pushback that we gave, um, and and that you'll really just think about these things for yourself. And chances that at the end of the book too, that what he wants more than anything is not for you to just blindly follow him, but for you to go to scripture, spend time in prayer with God and like, and see for yourself, how, how is God guiding his church? What is God calling his church to be? What's pleasing to God? Yeah. And so, and so I hope that you'll do that as well, that you'll read this book. You'll, you'll think on these things and that you will uh, turn to God and seek his guidance above all else. So, yeah, most definitely. Uh, so Josh closing question. Okay. Are you are you going to quit your job and go be part of the House Church <laughs> Network now? I uh, I don't think so, uh, but <laughs> I would say like my my one closing remark would be like, I mean Jesus always said you know or wait hold on don't make fun of me it may because I don't want to misquote Jesus <laughs> but the you know the whole bit they'll know we are Christian well you know they'll know we are Christians by our love I think that's super that's an important yeah. thing and church has to focus like like people the church body like we have to to focus on loving one another in supernatural ways so that people Mm -hmm. see something is different and like people have to matter in churches it can't like individual people have to matter you have to care about other people and i think like it takes community in order to do that like where again where i was before people didn't matter it was always the church over people like literally someone would show up at the church like needing prayer or wanting to ask a question or needing help and the head pastor would lock their door say that they're quote busy and like pawn like this sounds terrible but pawn that person off to me and one of the other pastors there and like that's wrong like you're a pastor that is supposed to be caring for people so i think that's super important they will know we are christians by our love and to use chan's words we need supernatural love the love of christ like you were saying the yeah. love of Christ and our willingness to glorify him uh will draw people to will draw people to yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah, above all else I think I think you touched on this earlier. We need churches that are built in a way churches that can't be explained on human terms. Yeah. Right? We need we we shouldn't we shouldn't be explainable by psychology or by business strategy, but it should be supernatural. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So Awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, if you want to contact us, uh, we have our website, which is theologydoesn'tsuck.com. Uh, we have a contact form there you can fill out and uh, hit us up. Yeah, say rage against say us. Say all the reasons <laughs> that you disagree with Andy. Yeah, say all the reasons that you disagree with me. That'd be great. <laughs> um, I'll I'll send you like a twenty page rebuttal. I like it. Um, I respect that. <laughs> uh, we also we also have an Instagram account. We do. So you can follow us there. It's it's at theology doesn't suck. Um, you can DM us there, but I would encourage you to if you want to contact us, if you want to make sure you get a response, go through the website yeah. because we will not be as diligent with the Instagram DMs. So. And also, uh, Andy, is it possible too? Can we get the uh, maybe a link to this book, "Letters to the Church" by Francis Chan? Can we maybe drop that in the show notes or something like that? Yes, yeah. So I will put a link to this book into like Amazon or something like that in the show notes, so you can find it. If you would like, you can order it and read it, and then you can think about it. So, thank you so much for listening. This has been the Theology Insights Podcast. We will see you next week. Peace and love.